it's the proudest day and the proudest time and the a seat of a rally here because that day and that hour and those minutes I got the butt between my teeth you know I really stood up and was counted and said this is not getting away I remember when we pulled on our helmets and Donald says to me what are we doing I said we're going for gold Barrett that's all we said I can still picture that run that was just the best best run ever Welcome along to Crunching Gears, the Rally Podcast. I suppose this is the start of season two, Connor. <laughs> You're very welcome along once again. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, like every episode we did last year, we kept saying we couldn't believe. And yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're at that stage now. We're into season two. But um, I know, and not only are we into season two, we have four uh, four podcasts under our belt in January. And this is only the start of season two, so <laughs> not quite sure how it works. But anyway, <laughs> everybody's welcome along. Um, this episode, we're going to uh, preview the Monte Carlo Rally this weekend. Uh, we'll catch up with Josh McLean and John Rowan. And we also speak with Jimmy McMillan, one of the engineers from M Sport. And then uh, to round off the episode, then we'll chat to Mick McCullough from Euro M Sport. So uh, another very interesting and jam-packed episode. But Connor, monthly this weekend, that's oh, going to be a good one. Absolutely. Listen, excited, excited. And the weather started to change again. So it's been very mild for the last couple of weeks. And uh, there was snow last night. Um, so cold Trini. There was snow coming down and, you know, it's, it's a big night, like Thursday night. They've two um, major stages to do back into Monaco then for service. And then Friday, no service. They have a full day. All they can get to do is a tire change. It's going to be tough now, depending on what way the weather ends up. It's hard to know. Will it be a dry event or will there be that bit of snow and ice? Very hard one to tell at the moment. Yeah, I, you know, Monday always throws up the variables, you know, like, uh, you know, it can change from one hour to the next, never mind one day to the next, you know, so like, uh, it's going to be very intriguing. Um, you know, there's been a few changes in the, the driver lineup, you know, like, uh, uh, Tannock now is going to M Sport, as we all know, in the Puma. Going to be interesting to see how he settles in. Um, OJ is back in the Toyota again this year doing selected events as well. And, you know, Hyundai finished off the year very strong. So, you know, who's got their, their you know, their pre-year, their, you know, the testing before the year, who's dotted the I's and crossed the T's the best, you know? Uh, uh, suppose Thursday night will tell its tale. It will. Hard one to know is Hannock. Um, there was an option before the end of the year for Tannock to test the Puma, and he opted not to. Um... He has done pre-Monty testing uh, and has said car's getting there, but not quite where he wants it to be. Ooh. So is is that genuine? Yeah, is he playing mind games mm-hmm. or is it a case of, yeah, look, he put family first before Christmas and fair play mm-hmm. and he knows he's got a bit of work to do, but it will be interesting. Like... <sighs> Look what he did last year in a Hyundai that wasn't set up to his liking. Once he, whenever his mindset changed, which is probably around the time he was thinking of leaving Hyundai, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he really took that 
car and wrestled it and put some cracking times in and had some good wins. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't rule him out for Monty. He's, you know, on, on the record, he said, yeah, if they get a podium, that'll be a good start to the year. Yeah. I think he's looking for a win and, you know, couldn't, would, couldn't, wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. The only thing is, Monty's never been a particularly happy hunting ground for him, you know. Like, a, a, you know, a podium probably would be a good result to come away with points in the bag. It would be, uh, you know, uh, it would be, you know, a, a good banker, you know, to get him into the season. But, you know, if the opportunity is there for the one, he's not going to back away either at the same time, you know. Yeah. Um, I still think it's. I think it's going to be hard to look past OJ. He's out the car the same length of time. He hasn't had the, the you know the long break. You know that that he's he's as much fit as anybody at the minute. Um, and we know he's a master in them conditions. Uh, you know, gap is he's is where he was born, reared. Like the stages is not a million miles away from gap. You know, the the wee bit of home knowledge will help. I think as well. Absolutely. Look, and last year stung. Big. Yeah. Like that was his rally. He had it practically won expire puncture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like Loeb came in there and absolutely trounced him on the stages. It was down to a puncture. Yeah. So he's he's got that, you know, we know what OJ's like. He is mega competitive. He is looking for additional records. Monty is one of his favorites. It's you can be guaranteed if the Monty's on, OJ's doing it. You know, never mind any other one. So, yeah, again, very hard to look past him. And there's been some aero updates to the Yaris as well as a bit of engine performance updates as well. So very, very hard to rule him out. And again, if we're looking at maybe a more drier Monty than usual, we know she's fast on on clean tarmac. So, you know, and, you know, know, we're not even mentioning that, you know, the defending world champion. You know, you know, this this shows the level that the the championship is at. That you know, we we haven't even spoke about Roven Perry yet. Like his performance last year, like when the, the the chips were down, he was able to drive in the results and had a very strong spell. You know, early mid year last year. Um, yeah. So early in mid year, when the chips were down, I'd have mm-hmm. to question. When you start looking at the second half of the season, was he as strong? But he he drove with the championship in mind. In my point, mm. my from my perspective, I think he you know he he done what he needed to do. You know, like there was no point of it, it would say the likes of Phil and putting the, his balls in the lane. He you know he took the points that you know he looked at the bigger picture. That's no, I could be wrong, but that's my kind of thought process on it. That the championship was a bigger goal than you know the the rally ones. He had done the hard work at the start of the year. At that point of the year, I think it was you know. Get the points, get the championship. Uh, now, Monty will tell a tale, you know, but he's st- you know he still is frighteningly quick. There's no doubt about it. Oh, listen, phenomenal and like a a, a boot full of talent in that Yaris. You know, he he's phenomenal. But again, got a little rattled on a couple of events last year when he didn't need to get rattled or or shouldn't have been rattled. So that's you know a little bit of immaturity there. You know, he's you know he's like he's still what only what twenty two. Um, but you, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. The, the when he looked at the championship point of view in New Zealand was a really good example of that. But I still think there were certain times that when he was expected maybe to be a bit stronger, he wasn't. And it's just I wonder why. Mm. Yeah, true, true. And then Evans, like you know, you know, we've seen shoots mm. of the past Evans in Japan. 
uh, seemed to be getting finally getting on top of you know the issues he's been having. Seemed to be getting on top of the car. He really needs to carry that into this year. Um, by Evans' own standards, I would say even he's disappointed in how last year went for him. So, you know, there has to be an improvement there, really, doesn't there? There does. Evans is still trying to get set up right in that car. So we got to remember that these cars are heavier. The weight distribution is 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 moved. And then also you have those issues with understeering and overheating of tires that, okay, very evident on the Puma, but the other teams also suffered from that. <laughs> and that's basically down to the hybrid units where they're placed in the car and the weight in them. And, <clears throat> you know, Elvin just didn't get there in getting it right last year. It was mm-hmm. a different car from where, where we'd seen him before in the, in the, what do you call it, in the WRC cars. So if he can get his head around it, and maybe they can do something around the balance of the car a bit more for his style of driving, then yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Depending on where the team decide to set that car up for, who are they going to favour? Is it OJ? Is it Rovan Perra? Is it Evans? Mm, that's the question, yeah. Because yeah. I, I kind of think, like Evans, I think, cope, doesn't particularly cope well with this, that that's been favourite. He went into last year's champion ship is probably everyone's favourite because he had run the OJ so close to the previous two years. Coming back in again this year, he won't be seen as one of the you know the the top two or three. At, you know the underdog status might actually favour him. You know I think he could be going in with less pressure on. Yeah, you know obviously Toyota is still expecting strong results and one thing or another. I, I just feel he will have less pressure on his shoulders this year, and that may favour him because he seems to have less pressure on him. He seems to drive more freely and. You know the the results follow it. I think, but now again, who am I to do? Well, at the end of the day, the worst pressure is probably the pressure he puts on himself. Yeah. It just depends how he's. You know, has I he guess. had a chance to go away, clear the head, clear the mind, and come back for this year? And it really depends what is what his Christmas break was like. For sure, for sure, yeah. And then, you know, like um, Takamoto, like our, our own Aaron Johnson back in with him again too, who will be stepping up to the full factory team in the events that OJ is not doing, but completing the whole championship and, you know, the ultimate, you know, Yaris as well too. So, like, Takamoto, every year, is always taking small steps forward and it just seems to be every time just getting up to that next level and... It may take him one or two rallies to get to that next level, but he starts to feel, you know, comfortable. And uh, like Japan, he finished up with a podium. Is, is it unreasonable to expect a few podiums this year? I don't think so. You know, I think it's very reasonable, and that partnership seems to have clicked very well between them. You know, Taco and and um, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and you say like every time he's making incremental steps forward, and mm-hmm. you know. Podiums are, are, I think, are, are a definite possibility this year for him. For sure, for sure, yeah. And then, you know, Hyundai, I think, I, yeah, that's the total team around it. Hyundai, Neville. <laughs> you know, uh, dry tarmac, you know, it should be his forte, you know. You can't look past him. You know, the, we mentioned, you know, the Hyundai, it was the form car at the end of the last season. <laughs> it was it really it was you know it was mm-hmm. you know if, yeah. if you take the second half of the season Hyundai outscored Toyota yeah. um and Tanak and Neville outscored Cali mm-hmm. in yeah. points um mm-hmm. that car was improving every single time since then they've made some very 
obvious changes to the aero. Mm -hmm. They were working on performance of the engine behind the scenes as well towards the latter half of last year. Um, and again, look, will the team settle a bit with with Oit not being there? Mm -hmm. The issues that were arising were basically between the two personalities of Oit and Neville. Oit side of the picture, that team will hopefully settle. They've got the new Cyril's now joined as the new manager. Hopefully that gives them a bit of stability. Um, and again, if, you know, if it's a fairly clean Monty weather-wise, you know, hard to rule out Neville mm -hmm. on, you know, tarmac and in a car that was improving all throughout last year and a car that's set up to his driving style. That's for sure. That is for sure. You know, and then uh, Esa Peggy Lappy coming into the team and Danny Sordo. Danny, Danny won't be far away either, you know. So, and Esa Peggy, it'll be interesting just to see, you know, is he comfortable with the, the setup of the Hyundai? You know, as we said there, like Tannock never felt quite at home with it. I, I think Tannock or uh, Esa Peggy will, I think he'll fit that team really well. You know, I think that that's uh, a good fit there. I, um, and never has tails up. He can be frighteningly fast. Ah, phenomenally quick when he's on form. And certainly you could see the more seat time he got year last year, sorry, the, the more he improved every event. Mm -hmm. And some really great flashes of speed, some great stage times. Uh, you can never rule Lappy out. And again, we, we know we saw him here in Ireland. He's good on mm -hmm. tarmac. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, at uh, M Sport, we mentioned like out time, like, yep, that's. As, I suppose it is the unknown, but he's not going to step into a car that he's not confident that will perform, you know. Like, so he must be fairly confident that the backing's there, that you know, the development plans in place. You know, this I think this is going to be a different M Sport than what we've seen last year. I think they're going to be there's there's going to be a major push on there. Um, I see they're saying that they're prepared to forfeit the manufacturers. Uh, title to you know put, throw all their weight behind out like that's a that's a huge statement from M Sport. Absolutely, and like if we look if we compare last year to this year, <laughs> last year where they 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 had thought they were going to have a strong year, and I suppose based on their performance in Monte Carlo, they really did feel that. But you know, at times they were fielding five Rally One cars, mm -hmm. and that was a huge strain on the team, on the workload for the engineers mm -hmm. and everybody back in base as well as those in the events. They've cut that back. They're focusing yeah. purely on the drivers' championship. They've got Red Bull fully on board now as well. Um, and what do you call it? You know, the the whole focus is there to get Tannock and to get this championship. Mm -hmm. Um, so Tannock knows that car is going to be developed through the year. There's been work done on the car. Um, I suppose the 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 stuff that it isn't obvious the work is done because they they haven't touched the arrow as yet. Um, with regard to bringing in any new developments, but we'll see that later in the year. But that car's frighteningly quick. We we you know we saw last year they had a first and a third, yeah. uh, in Monty. Um, so and now the only thing is Pierre Luby, you know, he didn't do Monty last year. He didn't have a huge amount of seat time in the Puma. But when he was in it, um, you know, particularly when we look back at Spain and stuff, again, yeah. quick, very good, very adapted mm -hmm. to the car yeah. on, on tarmac. So, yeah. you know, he could be a good wingman for Tannock mm -hmm. um, at times in Monty if, if all goes smoothly for the team. Yeah, mm -hmm. Aye. it's going to be very, very interesting. And like, but Rally 2 is nearly probably going to be almost, mm. as, if not more exciting than the Rally 1, you know, um, 
the you know we have you know the likes of Oliver Solberg, uh, Johan Russell, Adrian Formo, um, uh, Nicola Grajan, uh, you know like the list goes on and on and on. Like there's there's probably I would say eight possible winners there, you know, and that's without casting the net too far. Absolutely, yeah. Like there's Eric Cass, there's there's Stefan Leverve. Um, yeah. did you m- mention Chris Ingram? You oh, know, Chris Ingram, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. like mm-hmm. you know, some some phenomenal, yeah. um, mm-hmm. speedy, quick drivers yeah. there. And to be honest, from a, a battle point of view, the, the actually, you know, the, the rally two guys could could outshine what happens in rally one. Because mm-hmm. we see how closely knit they're closely mm. matched the, the rally two cars are, you know, like yeah. these new scooters, it's going to be very interesting. You know, they've been very successful in, you know, the, the smaller rallies they've done so far. But, you know, at this level, you know, and no doubt they'll be quick, but, you know, how close will the other guys get to them? Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be very, very interesting. And like from our own point of view, an Irish point of view, we have two guys out in the rally too. Uh, John, or sorry, Josh uh, McElhane and John Rowan, and then William Crichton and uh, Liam Regan. Um, they, they had a test there at the weekend. The you know the guys look quick. They look confident. It's fantastic to see. Like we keep beating this drum about motorsport there in the, the Rally Academy, but like this weekend past, you had Eamon Kelly out doing Lapland in uh, Rally Three Fiesta. You had the two guys out doing a pre monthly test. Uh, you know. And I think I seen someone. Oh, what do we call her? Oh, uh, Jesus! Yeah, Gerd Raftery from Galway. The heads going in. Yeah, Eva Raftery. Yeah, she was out testing in the snow mm. somewhere as well. You know, yeah. like this. This is phenomenal. You know, the development. Like, I can understand why all our countries are so jealous of what's going on here. You know, it's, it's it, it really is absolutely brilliant. It's <laughs> only what yeah. I can describe. Yeah, no, look, the Motorsport Ireland Academy, it's incredible what they're doing um, with the support of John Coyne. Absolutely amazing working in there. And, you know, to see Josh McArlean out, but also William Crichton, again, another run in the in the Rally 2 Hyundai. Like, I, he had a really solid event in Spain, you know, did nothing silly, got to know the car, was putting in some great times. So, you know, another confidence booster here for him. Okay, Monty's a bit new, but again, for Josh and 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 William, if it's a dry or a semi-dry Monty, it could suit them very well. You know, they they're not going to have the issues around the black ice and and the snow to the same extent mm-hmm. that we typically get in the Monty. So hopefully they get get some you know clean run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like uh, Josh uh, this year is John Rohn sitting with him. <laughs> like you know, Josh has that year's experience in the car. He's that more more confident. Like this, you know. Uh, like it must be like a like a, a dream come true for them. Like starting Monte Carlo rally. Like I know whenever I was growing up, like Monte Carlo was the rally. You know, like this is this is boyhood dream stuff. You know, um, yeah. But I think without any further ado, I think we'll cut across and we'll hear from Josh McLean and John Rowan. And like I started off by reminding Josh, I was there the the day he competed at his first ever rally, the Turkey Run back in two thousand and fourteen, and how far he has come since then. Yeah, um, I think back then you could say it was was just a dream to, to try and go to the World Championship. But then mm-hmm. as things progressed, we had tremendous support from family, friends, uh, local sponsors. And uh, yeah, things progressed and into the BRC, I suppose. And, 
and then the Billy Coleman Award, and then obviously uh, getting that there was a, a transformation um, to, to get into Europe, and then obviously creating the relationship with Sean McHugh and, and John Coyne and the, the Morse Wagon Rally Academy, and, and pushing on from there. So yeah, it's uh, it's turned from a dream more to an ambition now to to get to the top. So uh, a lot of hard work and dedication, and we'll we'll keep on going. Excellent, excellent. And like this is your your second year at this now this level as well. And like you, James Fulton, along with you last year, like James has got the call up to sit with Craig. Um, and then you know what? No better man to sit beside you now than John Rowan. Was that an easy decision in your part to make? Um, obviously, I think we we knew quite early that that James had the opportunity to go with Craig, and it was an opportunity not to be missed. Um. I think it was in Greece. Uh, we kind of kind of had a fair idea what was going to happen. So uh, going into Spain, we we actually John at the, the test in Spain. But it was actually, it's funny enough. One, um, I don't even think John knows this, but I was sitting in a, a coffee sh- coffee shop one day and uh, I was scratching my head, thinking, oh, "What am I going to do here?" Um, thinking of people and Irish co-drivers and, and seeing who wants to to go. And I was actually writing a message out to John to, to get the hint. To, to see if there's any vibes coming from him and the next thing the phone rang and it was John <laughs> and uh, I said this is just lining up too easy here and uh, chatted away and I think it was about Spain we were just talking about when we're going to travel and stuff and I just I asked the question then and he's like no no I would be interested and uh, things progressed from there and I suppose the rest is history <laughs> um, yeah we, we tested together in Spain and then we took it from there and, and obviously Getting the prep ahead of Monty now is uh, as well into progress now. Excellent, excellent. And like John, you know, you're both from the same area. You know that whole North Antrim, South Derry rally community. Like, if they're not related to each other, they're very close. It's, it's such a, a, you know, it's a great community and around that whole area. Like you've seen Josh developed over the last number of years. You know, you've seen it firsthand. Isn't it fantastic the way he has come through the ranks? It is surely, and like you said, like back in two thousand fourteen, to think where he's came from from then to now entering Monte Carlo, it's 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 unbelievable. And uh, like I've known Josh's oh years, I've known Josh since he was a primary school, and uh, you know, and like we've been around plenty of rallies together in the back of vans and back of lorries, and <laughs> we've had a we've had a strong relationship uh, for a long time now. So it it, it was only fitting that uh, that I took up the opportunity with him. I, I would say that you didn't have to have your arm twisted too you hard to, to take the seat then. Well, no, definitely not, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, obviously, you know, whenever he came forward with a, with the potential programme at the time, uh, as great as it sounds, you know, you have to factor it into your own life as well. So uh, uh, as much as I was really wanting to say yes then, then I had to, had to be sure that that it, uh, yeah, that it fitted in, and um, fun enough, I'm getting married now in a couple of months' time, and I had to make sure it fitted in with that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, uh, we, we talked about it, and uh, to be fair to Megan, she was just like, "Go for it, definitely," and, and it worked out uh, that the time of the wedding, there's there's no other events on, so yeah. it was thumbs up from our side. Yeah, I think you're very blessed there too. You know, you have a fiance that you know comes from a rally mad family as well too, so. You know, if there was one person who wasn't going to stand in your way, you can be sure of that, you know. <laughs> so. Exactly. No, she's very supportive that way. And actually, you know the family anyway, uh-huh. uh, with, with Seamus and Ryan both rallying as well. So, uh, 
No, it was, uh, it was, it was very clear cut from our side now, and uh, I'm very thankful that way. Excellent, excellent. And like, you know, this this is both a question to both of you. Just like the Monte Carlo Rally is, it's nearly bigger than the World Championship. You know, this is like, you ask anybody, like any man, woman, or child on the street, you know, name a rally. Monte Carlo will be one of those names. Like, is it a wee bit surreal to see your name on that entry list? Maybe Josh, you want to take that first. Um, of course, I think uh, it's like you say. If you ask anyone in the public what is Monte Carlo, they're they're going to fit to tell you. Um, it's one of those most it's one of the most iconic motorsport events in the world. And uh, even describing to, to like family members that don't really know what rallying is, they, they know what that Monte Carlo is. So it's uh, one of those uh, pinch me moments. And obviously. I've had a lot of great opportunities last year competing in, in rallies all over the world from, from Finland to Spain. But I think to start the World Championship in Monte Carlo, in Casino Square, in Thursday night, we're not called the Torini is like, uh, you have to realise what's going to happen here. And, and obviously you have to be focused on, on the challenge ahead, but you have to stand by and obviously appreciate a lot and appreciate the people that's behind this whole project. For sure, for sure. And John, the same question to yourself. Yeah, well, to be fair, Josh hit, hit the nail on the head there, but, uh, you know, it's it's one of them bucket list events that you would love to do. And, you know, even to go and spectate Monty, it's, it's special. But the fact that we're going now next week to, to compete in it is, uh, it is crazy. It's fantastic to think that, that me and Josh, uh, you know, has, has teamed up like us and I'm going to do, you know, the most special event in the world. That's, that's, Gives me goosebumps, you know, even thinking about it. Uh, even so, describe it, you're yeah. kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, you know, in reality, you know, the two years live, what, probably less than 10 mile apart. To go and take on a World Championship event, that is very cool, isn't it? I think, like I said, <laughs> I said the other later, John, I says, uh, never did I think a man, me and a man from Claddy is going to, <laughs> going to be heading to Monty next week. So uh, I think that puts it in perspective. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and like, John, you had the experience from Monty last year, you're over assisting Craig and Paul. Well, do you think, will that give you a bit of insight to what to expect next weekend? Uh, last year going to Monty, it's, it's invaluable to be honest. Uh, you know, even getting to know the lay of the land around Monaco itself and and even up towards the stages and around even the refuel zones and, and tire change zones, things like that there. So it, it leaves you a bit more comfortable going to the rally for for sure. And even getting to know the stages going through the in cars with, with Craig. So um yeah, things like that there will 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 definitely help. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and Josh, from your point of view, like you know, we talked about this iconic rally. You know, do you do anything different in your preparations for this event, or do you, do you have to try and block all that history out of your head and just try and treat it like any other rally? Um, yeah, there's certain elements you have to treat like any other rally. Um, it's still rallying; it's still going from May to be the quickest as possible. Um, but obviously, there's there's a bit more challenges coming coming or going into Monday. Um. For example, we've never used a red note crew before. Um, so it's going into that element and that side of things to, to try to optimise it even before the, the event. Um, we're fortunate enough to have John Armstrong and Brian Hoy doing the red note crew. So it's uh, and they're two good lads mm-hmm. with plenty of experience and, and they, know what, they know what to expect in terms of conditions. So it's just really communicating with them 
building a picture of what things look from my side and what they see it as and, and creating a clear image to to go in the stages and obviously get the information from them what three hours before the before the stage opens so uh yeah it's uh it's going into that detail and, and trying to optimize it before the event is, is probably the, the most crucial. Um, I think communication on this event is the, the key to, to making teamwork happen. Yeah, and like, you know, as John mentioned there, having his year's experience as well with Craig, like that will feed into your experience this weekend as well too. That's, that's invaluable as well, isn't it? Oh yeah, definitely. From from what John was was around Craig and Paul last year to to go into these events and and seeing how they do things and and adapting it into what what our approach is this year is is definitely a good thing to have and yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely very appreciative. Excellent, excellent. And then you know, how do you put this? Like this is you know the start of probably one of the most exciting years that's going to be in the WRC. Is it hard not to get caught up in all that fever as well? You know, you look around, you see Oik Tannock and then, you know, the M Sport Puma and Kelly Roven Pair. And, you know, do you have to sort of pinch yourself looking at going, this is the cream of the cream and we're in amongst it all? Yeah, I suppose you have to you have to block that side out to a certain extent. Uh, you can be the, the rally fan at the start of the rally, <laughs> but as soon as, as soon as things get going, I think we have to focus on ourselves and, and focus on our own rally. Um, even within the results and stuff, looking looking towards the end of the rally, I think it's a unique rally to to try even focus on that side of it. So, yeah, do your, do the best we can do in the situations we're in, and obviously tire choice is a big thing as well. And a lot of people's going to be in different different situations, different tire choices, and different stages. So it's uh, yeah, trying to build the plan for the for the whole rally and not really focus on uh, stage by stage. <laughs> yeah. And John, from your own point of view, like it's, you know, putting away your rally fan hat this weekend and putting on the helmet. <laughs> uh, there'll be no selfies taken. <laughs> uh, no, exactly. We, yeah, we, we, we're there to do a job and to do the best thing that we can. So uh, we can't let things like that distract us. And uh, we want to, give a good account of ourselves and do the best that we can for, for Motorsport Ireland and the Academy and and, uh, and push on that way. So, uh, but, uh, you know, if the boys are about, it's still going to feel pretty special. That's for sure, that's for sure. And, like, this is probably, you know, the, the first time you've had a teammate as such, uh, Josh. I know uh, uh, Will and Liam were over in Spain last year, but, like, this is fully-fledged teammates almost this year. Is it good to have somebody else then that you can sort of bounce ideas off, you know, settings in the car, you know, bunch of experience off each other? Definitely. Uh, I think uh, having a having a teammate at a good level is 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 beneficial for the whole team. Um, like you say, like relating to, to data and information of stages and even going into the second pass where certain corners that maybe it's going to catch someone out or, or things like us here. So it's, it's creating communication with, with someone like us here. And obviously we're, st- we're, we're a team. We are Motorsport and Rally Academy. We're entered as a team into the WRC2 Championship. So it's, mm-hmm. it's trying to make the most for that there as well. So we're, we're in this together and uh, I'm, it's such an incredible project to be part of. Like to say there's two cars going from, Ireland to the WRC teammates Motorsport Ireland it, it's it's incredible it, it's never been done before and 
to be one of the drivers in these, this team is, is simply incredible. And I think it's, di- it's simply down to the, the work and effort that them guys are putting in. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. I'm in a very fortunate position right now. Yeah. And like, you know, we, we, you know, we've been very fortunate to have, you know, Chris Meek and Craig Breen representing, you know, this country at the highest level for over the number of years. Uh, but it's great to see that, John, it's great to see that, you know, progression that there's going to be to fill the gap as like, you know, Chris has like stepped away, uh, you know, you know, uh, Craig won't going to be around forever. It's nice to see there's going to be natural successors. Exactly. That's uh Hopefully, Craig's going to be about for a bit longer now. And, uh, and uh, no, like what, what Motorsport Ireland Rally Academy is doing is, is, is bringing the young talent and, and, and focusing in a, in a pyramid to, to get up there. And I think other countries are starting to catch on that Ireland's not just a small country with a bit of motorsport. It, it, it's shown that Ireland can compete with the best at the top. And... and thankful for this pyramid and, and what what they're doing behind the scenes to, to push this it, it, it's just incredible it really is and it's it's great to see you know the talent getting getting shown on the world stage that's for sure and like you know i, I seen a tweet there this night i think it was somebody maybe in finland and there was other guys you know rolling in behind it saying we wish we had this in spain we wish we had this in italy this is this is leading the way we are the forefront of where other countries want to be that's fantastic isn't it yeah, like That's even the, the the academy day we were at in, on Saturday there uh, down in DCU in Dublin. Um, it's not as if it's it's all driving. It, we, there's so much detail going into it, like analysing the body and in current different situations in different countries, um, and obviously the nutrition side as well, like getting their teams right during the rally and even before the rally in preparation for it. So it's uh, the fine detail that they're going into. It, it, they're nearly they're nearly creating a different side of the sport that no federation like you say has went into so uh yeah it's it's great to be part of it part of it and uh let's keep on trying to push it on and, and see where it goes for sure and john you want to jump in there as well no i, I, I think josh has, has summed it up rightly you know when uh, what, what motorsport are doing uh behind the scenes what, like you said, with your nutrition, your fitness and stuff, you know, at the local level, you know, it's something you don't really think about too much. And uh, it is hugely important. And uh, it means going into the event, you feel the best that you can. And when you feel the best you can, you, you can perform the best you can. And I think that's, uh, it's fantastic, to be honest. Yeah, that's for sure. And like, Josh, you know, we all know, like, you know, we keep saying this, like motorsport is an expensive, uh, an expensive hobby or a career. Uh, and without uh, loyal and good sponsors behind you, I would say there's a few people you want to make a shout out to here. Yes, um, I think I've had a lot of great support from local companies from the start. Um, FTC Trollers have been with me from the very first rally I've done and, and they're still with me. So that support and obviously business to business networking with Jefferson Tools and Fastener Connections as well to have them on board and local companies as well is phenomenal to bring them to the world stage um, and then Enda McCormick uh, McCormick Contracting over in, over in New York is uh, he's been uh, pushing me along from, from two years ago I think it was and he, he wants to see progress and this is what we all want to see so uh, it's great to have people like this here pushing it on um, and then 
HVAC construction, Paul Rowley. Uh, he's come on board for this year, so it's uh, we've got a, a full team of people behind us, and I'm very thankful for that. Excellent, excellent. And John, from the, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, you have you know the family unit behind you at home, and like you, you know, your work commitments and all. Like you have a strong team behind you there, pushing you and allowing you to do this as well. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, with with work being flexible over over the years, to be honest, not just only this year, but over the years, you know, my employer, I've been with them for what sixteen years now, and they they've been brilliant. You know, you're away all the time, you're missing birthdays, and you're missing other people's weddings and and christenings and whatnot, and uh, and they. They're understandable. They know that how much I love it and how much uh, I get out of it, and I'm very thankful for for everybody. Yeah, and like we'll wrap it up here now. This year, like you know, this is this is the start of the 2023 season. Like, what's the hopes for the season ahead, Josh? Um, I would just like to add one uh, oh. one sponsor there. Yeah, uh, sure. Obviously, Woodland NI is is coming back for for this year, and Brilliant. obviously, my relationship relation uh, of Connor McCluskey and Brian McCluskey and uh, it's, it's fantastic to have them back on board again and uh, he'll be making the trip to Monaco as well so it'll be, <laughs> it'll be a good start um, but yeah the, the ambition for this year is first of all focus on Monte Carlo uh, it's a challenging event as we all know and it's an iconic one but to focus on ourselves control control the uncontrollables get into it and uh get to the finish and have a have a solid rally and I think the result will come for that. And then obviously trying to keep the show on the road for the for the rest of the year in the World Championship is is the primary uh, primary aim. So uh yeah, there's still a lot of hard work to be done after Monte Carlo to keep keep the whole thing going. But uh yeah, a uh, good result will will definitely uh, keep the ball rolling. Excellent. And John suppose do you want to echo them comments as well? Yeah it's Pretty much the same thing. So Monty, you know, we need a, a solid finish. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where we can be at the end of it with, uh, you know, with not doing anything too, too silly now. But uh, each event that comes after that there, we'll, we'll obviously want to see a wee bit of progress on, on ourselves and, and what we can work on for the next event, next event. And I'm just excited to see where the year brings us and where, where we can be at the end. Kevin, that was a great chat with John and Josh and uh, what do you call it? Ah, look, fingers crossed for them. I hope they have a clean run now on, on Monte Carlo. And speaking of Monte Carlo, uh, I caught up with Jamie McMillan from Northern Ireland, who's one of the senior engineers with M Sport and in charge of White Tannock's car this weekend. And it was a chance just to catch up, you know, to find out what's happening with M Sport, what developments have been done to the Puma since last year. And, you know, also to get a bit nerdy and technical and, get a bit more detail around, you know, from the team's perspective, what's required, what's needed for uh, success in Monte Carlo. Well, yeah, um, we're actually in Nice at the minute. So okay. I'm heading across to Monaco tomorrow. Um, so tomorrow will be the first day in a service park. And then, yeah, we're, we're staying in, in Monaco this year. So um, it'll be a nice nice walk to and from the service park um, rather than the drive back to Nice every night, uh, which is nice. But yeah, um, first few days while we're driving the stages and stuff, it's a bit, it's actually quite a lot easier to, to stay outside of the, the craziness of, of Monaco itself. It's a bit quicker to get to the stages from here. Very good. And and before we get into that, actually, um, the uh, new livery was launched this morning on the Puma. Looks fabulous. Uh, a bit yeah. more back to the traditional blue 
uh, you know, more of that obvious on the car. Um, out of curiosity, is delivery as much a secret for you guys? Do you are you made aware in advance? Do you get to know, or is it a you know a surprise to to nearly everybody? <laughs> I think it's kept fairly well under wraps. To be fair, um, between Phil and and Seb and Rich, I think they make a bit of a a decision behind the scenes and. If I wanted to go looking for the information, I could maybe get it. But generally, it's it stays well under wraps until we actually see the car starting to get stickered up. Um, so, so some guys know a bit more than others. Um, but no, it's it's a surprise for most of the team. Um, like maybe a week before it's launched to the press, because we obviously see it um, all the cars getting getting stickered up in the workshop. So it's quite good how everyone manages to <laughs> to keep the the photos on their own personal phones and, and tablets and all that but um yeah i know i think it looks it looks really good this year it's something um a little bit different it's always nice to every year be able to to bring something out where um you know we have our own personal touch from from inside m sport rather than um you know obviously the other teams are sort of have their hands tied by their back to a certain extent in terms yeah. of how they can they can present their car so it's nice to be able to have a bit of something different in there each year yeah, no, a car looks fabulous. And yeah, I'm yeah. really impressed now the fact that there was no leaks of um, you know, <laughs> yeah. of, of the uh, livery. So it was quite good. So you mentioned, obviously, that you're you're out wrecking the stages. So from the stages that you've covered so far, what do the roads look like? Um, what's, what's, and especially weather-wise, what's predicted for, for the event? So yeah, we, we started wrecking um, two days ago. So we did two stages on Sunday. Um, we did half of the stages yesterday and then the, the remaining ones today. Um, so we're still, you know, not quite, but well, four or five days out from when the rally starts. So it's always a little bit tricky in Monte because it's conditions change so quickly. So um, what we see on, on the engineer's recce can be completely different when the, when the crews go through. So um, from our experience so far, the stages were predominantly dry um, just with some damp and, and wet patches. Uh, there was some snow on the side of road on the side of the road in places, but um, not the sort of classic, you know, full snow and ice Monte Carlo conditions that you've seen in the past. Um, but we we are expecting a weather front to, to move through the region in the next couple of days. So um, today we were doing um, Chirini, and when we got to the top of that, it was already starting to snow. Um, and quite quickly, you know, when you start the stage, you're you're near sea level, or you say five hundred meters above sea level, and you climb over a thousand meters. So um, you know, the temperature was changing from sort of four degrees at the start of the stage to minus two at the top. So the snow can quite quickly, quite quickly gather there. And um, I don't think the temperatures are supposed to go too far above, like into the, the positive um, degrees after the, the snowfall predicted in the next couple of days. So I think there will be at least some mixed conditions expected for the for the crews when they hit the stages. And as an engineer, what are you looking for when you recce the roads? Um, so, so it sort of depends on what uh, what rally you're at. So, for example, here we already know that the conditions can change quite a lot um, from whenever we do it to whenever the crews do it. So although we note down whether it's dry, damp or wet, we know realistically that can change quite a lot. So really we're focusing more on um, the character of the road. So if it's a real um, fast stage or slow stage, then also if there's specific um, outliers in the stage maybe if there's a jump if there's like an extreme cut um and then also like the bumpiness of the stage is quite quite important so um yeah it's just sort of noting down anything specific on the setup that we need to consider for the stage and um you know for the gravel event as well it's a bit more um of an engineering led decision in terms of how you know whether we want to increase the ride height for certain stages whether we can run a bit lower and do the 
drivers themselves need to make make changes from from stage to stage because we'll have to make a note of that on on the recce and then um ultimately those sort of decisions do lie with the with the driver but we can make plenty of suggestions to see you know what what we've seen in the recce and if it ties in with what they've they've seen when they've been driving the stages so do you have a, a debrief with the crews then before the start of the, the the rally yeah exactly so every wednesday wednesday evening they'll have like a um a one-hour media meeting after they've done the recce um which is normally at the service park so we'll have a bit of a catch-up then just to compare notes and and make a bit of a plan um for shakedown on thursday and then also um for stage to stage if there's something specific that we need to um bear in mind and, and factor into the to the setup and obviously you've completed the the, the pre-monte testing now both pierre louis Loubet and Tanak, neither were in the uh, what do you call it in the Pumas last year on the Monty, and Pierre Louet didn't do the Monty last year. So, when you're doing that testing, where do you start with from a setup point of view? What's the baseline? Do you use Sebastian Loeb's or Craig Breen's or Gus Greensmith's settings from last year as a starting point, or, or how do how do you go about that? Um, yeah, so so we we take all of those sort of things into into account, and we we compare our setups from last year. You know, we also look to where Pierre was in in the tarmac events that he did last year, and and understand his setup compared to the other drivers, and and see if there's anything in particular that he likes over over what sort of uses our our base setup. Um, but yeah, predominantly that was driven from where we were in Monty last year. It's it's helpful that we were competitive there last year, so we know we've got a good a good base to start from. Um, so yeah, from we near enough sort of from where where Loeb was, um, and to be honest, last year you know Loeb's setup was very similar to what what Craig and Gus was on as well. So um, we we were reasonably happy that we had a good good base to start um, with with Oye, and then he had his own um, you know his own opinion and on where he wanted to go and what he wanted the car to do and how he wanted it to react. So we were able to um, start from a solid solid base and foundation, and then um, make the necessary tweaks and fine tune it to to suit the specific driver. And do you have a, a specific pre-test plan or checklist or is the testing led by, you know, the driver's feedback? Um, it's a little bit both. So, yeah, we, we will have a, a pre-test plan. So there's um, there's a combination of things that, that happen at the test. We've got um, some development items that we need to, to keep an eye on. So rather um, new parts that we're wanting to keep a, a note of mileages or we want to um, circulate new parts through through the car to make sure, you know, we check them before they um, make their way onto to an event car. Um, and then we'll have maybe some develop development items in terms of setup, and then we'll also have what the driver wants from the car as well. So um, it's a little bit of a combination, but yeah, we, we definitely have a, a pre-event test plan, and we, we have a bit of a checklist of things we want to, to get through. Not often we manage to, to get through it all, especially as we're getting fewer and fewer um, test days each each year, and um, it's you know really quite quite tight to, to fit as much in as, as possible, especially in Monte Carlo, you know, in, when you're testing, the, the conditions can change from run to run. So it's quite, quite tricky to do a direct back to back, especially if it's a, if it's a setup change. So yeah, all those things we need to, we need to factor in. And then on top of that, you've also got like the more um, simple things like just running through tire options and tire compounds, especially whenever um, somebody like Pierre, he hasn't got so much experience in, in this, in this rally, you know, he, he wants to do a run on, on the studs, even when it's dry, he wants to do a run on the winter tire, even when it's, when it's dry, you know, you may want to purposely try something that's not optimal for the conditions, just so you know if you're caught out on the stages and um, what it's going to feel like. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to factor in on the test, and you have to try and um, prioritize what what you want to do 
development wise and also what the what the driver wants from the car and do you or any of the engineers sit in on those test runs and if so you know what are you looking for when in in that yeah. situation uh, there's been a few uh bad experiences of that in the past so <laughs> but uh, quite a, a well-known one potentially was uh somebody jumped in with um in, in Finland and the driver ended up putting it off the road. So <laughs> we we tend not to go in so much. Um yeah, if if the driver's complaining of something really specific and he wants um wants one of the engineers to jump in, we we have done in the past, but it's not really sort of standard practice, let's say. Um to be honest, we get enough data from the car that um looking, you know, spending our time looking at the data is um tends to be more useful than necessarily jumping in. And you know, those guys are so experienced with with how the car feels in those conditions that they can probably tell better than better than us in terms of how the car actually feels and what's it do what it's doing. Um whereas we're much quicker at actually looking at the data and and quite quickly, you know, if if there's a specific comment of in a certain corner the car's doing this, then we can look at our, our damper data and the data from our diffs and, and and look at that and feed it back to the driver and say, okay, this is what we're seeing. Does that tie in with with your complaint? And then um we sort of move forward and in that vein rather than necessarily feeling it for for ourselves and how did the testing go i believe it was quite mild so did you get a good mix of road conditions or you know do you, do you feel you've got everything covered particularly with the weather forecast yeah so i mean looking back to monty last year um we had a a good mix of conditions because we also had a november test um in, in 2021 so we sort of had two separate monty tests last year and we um, sort of built a good portfolio of setup options and we know our car is quite quite adaptable it works quite well in a wide range of, of conditions so um, really sort of finding the mixed conditions wasn't necessarily our priority this year it was sort of trying to find um, something reasonably stable that the drivers could, could get good mileage on and, and um, understand the car a little bit better because they don't have so much experience so um, we can fall back on knowing that our car is is good in a, in a wide range of conditions but Going back to testing this year, we had um, the first day was split. So um, Pierre did half a day and Oit did half a day, and that was near enough full dry. Um, so they both got decent mileage in, in full dry conditions. Then Pierre's full day was um, predominantly wet and it was raining on and off through the day. So um, again, we were able to take the setup, sort of fine tune it and, and make sure that it still worked well in those conditions. And then for Oit's day, he actually started on a road that was... Um, it was wet, but the temperatures were below freezing, so it was quite a bit of frost and a little bit of ice around. So um, he actually got to do a little bit of work with the with the studded tire there, um, and then yeah, it, it sort of dried out during the day. So um, although we didn't get sort of full snow, full ice conditions, we still got a you know a reasonable mix to sort of um, spot check and confirm we're happy with our setup in in those different conditions. And what do you call it? you mentioned tires? Um, there, you know, as, as, as high difficult is tire choice for Monty and do you have local knowledge involved in that tire choice or is it down to your, you know the drivers and, and the, the experts from Pirelli? Uh, yeah so it's obviously one of the biggest factors and that, that's one thing we always say going to test and specifically for Monte Carlo is um, you sort of you don't necessarily want the absolute fastest car and it to be right on the, the the ragged edge everywhere because you know that that car is not necessarily going to work for you if you do suddenly come across a a snowy or icy corner so we, we try and um focus on getting a car that's comfortable and works in a, in a wide range of conditions um and then the, a lot of the time the big time deltas come from being on the on the right tires so we spend quite a bit of time making sure that we have 
um, as much information as possible and quite quite sophisticated tools in the background to to take the information that we get from our weather forecasters and um, people on the stages um, who are sort of feeding us back as much information as we can get. And then we, we feed that into our tire tool that predicts sort of what we think the best tires to be on is, is going to be. Um, you know, and a lot of that also depends on what the driver's going to be comfortable on and whether he wants to take a, take a risk or not or, and gamble. And is it, is it worth, um, is it worth taking that, that risk depending on where you are and, um, in the leaderboard at that, at that point in time. So, um, yeah, there's quite a lot that obviously factors into that. And then we also get information. So from the, the written note crews of the, the cars themselves. So we sort of getting information from maybe four or five, six places and having to, um, streamline, streamline that into, into one tire choices. It's all part of the challenge. And, um, yeah, the drivers obviously have their information as well. So we need to sort of come to some, some agreement on what they think and what the engineering tools are telling us um, to try and make sure we get it, get it right more often than not. And just again, you know, with tire strategy, is it the driver's call, whether there's two spares or one spare, you know, and how much feedback is there maybe from you guys, you know, with that weight distribution piece? Um, It's a mix. Yeah. So, so we obviously, we, we have numbers for how much we're going to lose if we're carrying a second spare um, over a loop of stages. So it, it really is weighing up the, the risk and also understanding whether you're actually going to get a, a time benefit. So, you know, you can take, you can sort of cover your bases if you take maybe, for example, you've got four sticks in the car and you take two snow or two studs in the back. Um, two of those tires in the back is a heck of a lot more useful than just having one. So you can quite quickly, you know, have a decent cross um, if you take the two. So you can cover your bases a little bit in, in that regard, but um it comes down comes down to how much of a how much of a risk you're willing to take. Um, in terms of you know pure outright performance, five against six, you know you just have to see with the with the puncture risk what what they expect, and that's also something we note down from from the engineers' recce. So um, I would say we we drive it to an extent, but then you know the driver ultimately is is the one you know driving the car and, and fighting for the wins. So he will also give his his own opinion and his feedback and. Um, yeah, often the engineers will always try to fight for five over six, um, but sometimes that decision can be taken out of our hands as well. If you know if we're in a good position and it's, um, you know, we we don't you know need to take the risk, then you're always better having that sort of safety blanket there of a of a second spare. And it was reported last year that you know there was an issue around the overheating of the front tires and causing understeer, and that was being put down to I suppose the extra weight and the extra power from the hybrid unit. Have you been able to kind of get to the bottom of that? Is that you know a work in progress or? Uh, yeah, we've got find some some solutions. We think um, certainly it was one area we were targeting even in, in pre event test and from <clears throat> excuse me for Monty this year. So, um, it's one of those things that okay. Yeah, I think it was widely talked about. Maybe we were we were struggling a little bit with with understeer and overeating our front tires. But um, in Monty last year, that maybe helped us in one regard because it, you know if you're going through cuts and your tire temperatures are dropping, then you know keeping them in a in a good working window can can work in your favour. Um, but yeah, we were focused quite a bit on on targeting that to to help us in in the test this year, and we think we've came some good solutions, good options to try and and um, and improve that. So. Um, yeah, it's one of those things you're always sort of working on, on fine tuning and and um, 
it was probably one area that we, we struggled on more than other teams, but still the other teams are also, you know, all complaining of, of tires overeating and it, you know, it could be a little bit to do with just the, the added weight of the car and, and the hybrid, but um, any improvements we can make in that regard, certainly for, for looking down the line to future events um, will help us out probably more than, than it will necessarily for, for Monte Carlo. And how does a 23 car compare to last year's car? Is there any improvements or updates? And I see in the, the livery, the new livery pictures that come out, it didn't look like there was any changes to the arrow, but is there any other developments or updates with the car that you can talk about? Um, yeah, so so externally, it probably looks reasonably similar. Um, I think this year it's predominantly um, evolution and optimization rather than complete, you know, complete redesign. We know we've got a car that works pretty well in a, in a wide in a wide window and on, on you know various different surfaces we were leading leading rallies and winning stages and on all surfaces so we need to um sort of optimize that and also trying to make oid as comfortable as possible we focused on quite a lot of stuff in the cockpit and making sure everything um what was to his liking because um that actually takes you know <clears throat> helps him find his feet a little bit quicker if everything's um in the cockpit sort of exactly how he expects it to be so um yeah in terms of externally we worked a little bit on doing some some rear body work just to um help with the assembly and disassembly of the car because um it it was previously one piece and you can't really maybe see it so so differently from the outside but um it's now separate parts which makes it a bit easier if if anything is um damaged for the guys in service to to take it on and and, um or take it off and, and replace it but um, yeah, I think a lot of it is more optimization rather than complete complete redesign because we know we're not in, in too bad a place. Um, we need to focus really on also what what Oid's complaints are of the car if we need to use our jokers later in the season. <clears throat> and excuse me, working with you know in the past OJ and Loeb and now Oid again, um, they're all all world champions. Like they're there to win the rallies. They're there to win the drivers' championship if possible as well. Does that add? extra pressure to the team do you all have to up your game even more or you know what's that like uh, i think yeah there's an element of of external pressure that's that's increased let's say but um internally i think the whole team's always you know really committed and driven no matter who our you know perceived number one driver is you know i don't think um necessarily much has changed from from when we had craig last year you know we're, we're certainly from an engineering team and and the guys in the car are working um working their hardest to get you know make the best car possible for for m sport um but yeah i think there's the there's the external pressure probably more and the you obviously have more people following the, the drivers around it's more difficult to, to even catch them for five have a chat and, and discuss that. always being sort of um surrounded by media but um no i think <clears throat> i think it's the external pressure that really um adds a different dimension to it as you know you've seen that as well when we had when we had Loeb in the car but um yeah I think it's looking on up from the outside you would say you need to up your game but really I think um when you're inside it and you're in the in the bubble like we're all working you know flat out anyway and, and trying to make the best car no matter you know no matter who the driver is so um there's an element of it that's that's perception but yeah um certainly the, the external pressure is something you, you notice let's say and um yeah it's certainly um it's it's different, but you know we're always we're always trying our best, regardless. And and what does Oit bring to the table? You know, what are his strengths with regard to getting the car, you know, <clears throat> to where it needs to be to win? 
Well, he's obviously won a world championship in the past, so he, he knows what he wants from a car um, um, and work to his strengths. So he's very analytical and, um, you know, he knows he knows the numbers inside out. He knows what he's looking for. You know, he spends quite a lot of time in, in our you know engineering office working through all of those <clears throat> setup options and, and checking what's what's available to him. So, um yeah, I think it's I think it's also the the confidence that he knows in the past that he's been able to, you know, make a specific change and it's it's worked, you know, in that specific area. It's done exactly what he wants. Um and you then obviously build build a, a confidence over a over a matter of years when you're when you're running events and, and putting a championship fight together. So um yeah, I think it's it's the, the experience that he brings is probably the biggest thing and the and the confidence to back that up. And is there advantage there that he, he's coming with the knowledge for you know Hyundai and, and the way their cars help, <clears throat> etc.? Or is it is it, you know, comparing apples with pears and, and not really much much help? Um yeah, there's an element of, of both of those things, to be honest. So yeah, it's it's interesting to to hear or understand what, what the other teams are doing, but it doesn't necessarily change our um <clears throat> necessarily change our development plan or um, or what we're focusing on, but it's um, it's understanding the areas of the car that maybe make the make the change that he's he's requesting. So um, you know that that is something that's um, generally the same <clears throat> between all cars. So you know if if he's struggling with something specific and in, in the Hyundai or the Toyota he's made this change and it's had this effect, then yeah, he can bring that with him and say yeah, well let's try this because in the past it's it's had this effect. So. Um, you know that's that comes with experience, but in terms of like the numbers and and what um, what they were bringing to the table, it's not really necessarily a direct comparison with what we're we're sort of focusing on. So, uh, fantastic! Uh, I love hearing them. You know the stories from a different angle, and you know, yeah, Jimmy, thanks very much for taking the time. That was lovely to hear that story. Um, with Galway only a few weeks away, it's quite scary, I know, but. Um, it's been announced recently that Panta Fuels was going to be the preferred supplier for all the international cars. And uh, so we thought we'd catch up with uh, Mick McCullough from Euro Sport, who is the, the supplier, just to hear how that's all going to operate, you know, how that will work and you know sort of give us the sort of the, the the story behind the story as such, you know. So without further ado, uh, you know, my first question to ask Mick was, you know, was this going to be a new challenge for the, the company? Oh, it's a it's a new challenge. Um, we're at field fifteen years, I guess, but this will be our first event dispensing. You know, so it's uh, oh, there's a lot of planning, a lot of equipment needed, um, but we're looking forward to it for sure. Yeah, and like you know, before we we started recording, you start you know you explained to me this is not your first foray into this level. You know, we you know we don't we don't don't hear enough about what your M Sport are doing. Yes, sir. Like. Uh, like across the UK and into Europe with the the supply of fuel and as well. Yeah, yeah. So I guess our first big contact was the Northwest 200, uh, which was local, obviously, or localish. Um, that led on to the the British Superbike Championship, um, and turn that led on to fuel supply for the TT as well. Um, and then we're we have some both OE and bikes and cars. Um, for their test programs, we supply them directly across the UK and Europe um, at the circuits. So it's uh, it's challenging for logistics at times, but 
you know we're we're pretty well versed in it now, so it's it's uh, it's going going well. Eh? Yeah, and like I suppose like motorsport being motorsport, there's always last minute call ups, there's always last minute dramas, and you're able to cope with them now. No dramas at all to you. I, as I said earlier, about the, getting a phone call at half five on on a Friday evening from one said mm-hmm. uh, manufacturer, and we had fuel sitting in France at nine o'clock on on Tuesday morning, like which is uh, uh, it's a good it's a good service. <laughs> it make you sweat, but you know it's nice to keep the customer happy at the same time, isn't it? I you do that a few times or repeatedly do that, then you know they know what to you know, a reliable company to deal with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and maybe there might even be some part of that, even a test to see if you are capable of it, you know, to get the confidence maybe as well. Sometimes you never know these things, do you? I, you know, I, you never know who's testing you, as the man mm-hmm. says, but no, it's it's uh, at that level. And, you know, the cost of renting those tracks and stuff, you know, they don't feel and they can't test. And, you know, never mind all the engineers, accommodation, transport and so on. So it's uh, it's a vital part of the, a vital part of the, the link. So that, it is. That is for sure. That's for sure. And then, you know, closer to home, as we talked about the Tarn White Championship, uh, Galway now in a couple of weeks' time, going to be very interesting, you know, with the new, uh, you know, there's going to be new cars coming along. But the, 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 the championship now, the way it is, the control fuel, use will, you know, the driver, the crews basically prepay the fuel and just dispense the fuel into the cars at the, you know, designated service areas or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that'll be the way of it, I So teams will prepay, pre-book um, a week before is the cutoff, which will obviously probably not be the cutoff, no one's on the voice, but, um, and then uh, at each service star or at each refuel, um, they'll tell us the amount of litres they need, we'll pump it in and uh, and on the go. So I, it's, it'll be a change for maybe not so much competitors, but the guys running the car. So if that's, if you're a driver, you know, if you're running your own car, it'll be a good help probably. Um, if you're a prep team, again, the cost saving for for not having to refuel is quite significant. So it is um, because uh, refuel zones are normally away from the service area now and it, uh, basically you need dedicated, you were needing dedicated men for that now. So that, that eliminates that there. It puts it into a safe zone for for uh, controlling the risk, I guess, as well. Yeah. Um, because you think it's, you know, the, the, you know the, the top international teams, like they can be running two, three cars and they're all running, you know, around the same number as well. So sometimes, you know, there could be two or three guys coming along needing fuel almost at the same time. So, you know, for use there, that's a, that's easy. That's a, it's a no-brainer. But for, like, say, just to pull up out of there, like a Melvin Evans or a Ryan Lochran, like having two guys there, suddenly they need four guys there. For sure, I um Well, two or four dedicated, I guess. But what the feedback we hear is, you know, it's hard enough to get good men, never mind having to send them, you know, to just go refueling when they could be working on the car. So I, you know, it's all been fairly positive so far, you know, with the news of it, of it going control fuel, mm-hmm. so it has. Um, so, yeah, you know, hopefully we can live up to the expectations. Absolutely, absolutely. And, like, you know, I suppose to make it clear, this is for the international field, uh, but it's open for anybody that wants to avail of the, the service. Yeah, so it's mandatory for any internationals. Um, we have a lot of customers in the nationals, the historic and the juniors that will also avail of the service so anybody can avail of the service and we're finding more and more 
coming across new customers coming across already that we hadn't already had, you know, as like an existing customer that we supplied fuel till that we hadn't dispensed. So um I would imagine it'll it'll take a wee while for it to, to build up like but it's uh, I think once to see the, the ease of using the service it'll 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 go well. Yeah, because like you know, like it's always a, obviously an increased cost to the to the competitor as you know, drawing the fuel, having somebody there to fuel the you know, fuel the cars. You, you know, you just can cut through all that as well, can't you? You know, I well, I suppose it starts off when the person leaves, you know, leaves their base. So, mm-hmm. you know, the room, that's the room that fuel needs, the weight of it, then the risk of it, you know, when you're moving it. Um, so it, it cuts out that that aspect as well. So mm-hmm. it does, that's for sure. And like, you know, and then you're sort of doing this as like a professional outfit, you know, you just, you just have all the risk assessments done, you just know exactly what you're doing. You've, you know, of all the, the procedures in place that haven't ever did, you know, God forbid ever happens, you just have all there to deal with it. Well, I will. Firstly, you try and make those God forbid moments not happen, but um, I, you have the equipment, you know, whether it's fire suppression or whether it's spill kits or, or, or so on, you know, right down to safety equipment for, for the main pumping as well, you know, fireproof overalls, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I, it's, it's, that's, you know, that's paramount for us. That that everything is run as as safely as it can be. Mm-hmm. So it is. Yeah, like you know, you know, you know the way the world's getting now. Like safety is, you know, uh, for you know, forefront of everything. So like to have all that in place before you ever set foot in Galway is critical. Ah, there's a folder. You know, we have a folder, and it's quite thick for <laughs> for you know for the for the events. You know, not not just general stuff for. For the tar- Irish tarmac events, you know the risk mm-hmm. assessments and the method statements, etc. You know the policies fall mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, and the, you know it's also great from the organisers' point of view as well that you know it's it's one less thing for them to worry about. They can you know show you this is where you know we want our refuel point to be, and basically hand it over to you for the weekend or whatever. Then basically, I there's you know there's there's. Uh, Plenty of to and fro, you know, to, to make sure everything's in place. Um, probably the location is, is the biggest one. Um, but I, if you know, taking that off their hands, they're quite happily. <laughs> yeah, that is for sure. And then, Mike, now have you on too? There's another thing I wanted to chat to you about too. Uh, was the the Cooper tires? You know, in a very short time, they have become the tire of choice, especially in like the modified class. What what makes them so special? Um, good question. What makes them so special? Um, I think because the first thing is that they were, you know, they're made locally and or relatively locally. You know, they're not, you know, they're made in the UK, so the quality control and and the, I suppose, the ingredients of the tires is well vetted. So it is. So that's probably the first thing. And then I guess having engineers on hand that can can make changes very quickly you know you know more rapidly than maybe some of our competitors um is is a big thing although you know it's it's a funny thing because we could be selling you know before we probably went to our first events we could be selling the tires and you know after somebody wins an event well those tires have come on a long way but in fact they haven't changed them at all, like you know. So, for people past their notion of how they have, how they've come on a long way, even uh-huh. with the same tire that, that we started with. So, uh, now we had the ground running with it. Um, Bushwhacker being the first one, which was a 
which was a big, big day, I suppose, first overall, first, second and third two-wheel drive. Um, and then on to Galway. Um, so as I said to you earlier, you know, when we went to the forestry, then what'll they be like in the tar? And I went to Galway, it was, uh, okay, what'll they be like in the wet? Um, so we went to Galway and we won it. Um, and then we come out of Galway, what'll these tires be like in the dry? So throughout the year then, between winning rallies outright, and I think we won every wet rally in the two-wheel drive. Um, I think there was four of them, and, and we won them all. Um, so no, it, it's, it's, uh, it has went well. Some, I should think, you know, competitors using them, because without, without them, it, it, you know, we needed, at the start, we needed, uh, we needed guys to, take the chance, but also to have a bit of staying power with us, you know, mm-hmm. to, uh, to stick with us um, because it's a fickle market. Like it's, yeah, it's you know, such a leap of faith there, you know, they're yeah. used to a certain brand or whatever that, you know, it's, it's the fear of the unknown almost, isn't it? It is I, it is I, but if, you know, generally if you have a good product as well priced and, it, and the durability is there, it'll, it'll, it'll eventually, you know, the secret eventually, Gets his gets his way out, like so mm-hmm. it does. Yeah. Um, but no, we put a lot of effort into it, and there's a lot of you know for a for a company like us that wasn't event based to, to then turn to be event based. You know, there's a lot of a lot of weekends that that are spent in in yeah. service areas. But yeah, we've enjoyed it and enjoyed the challenge of of uh, climbing the mountain. <laughs> yeah, like you know, it's it's changed the way your business runs, isn't it? Almost, you know, the fuel and the tires and all now from being almost like a, a shop front to being now front and center in service areas. Aye, it, it definitely has. I suppose the first taste is is you know the, the BSB championship in England, which takes us you know around all the circuits: Silverstone, Melton Park, Donington. You know, to name a few of them, I suppose. But it's uh, so you know for a person that. For a person that a few years ago would have been reluctant to drive to Cork, you know, when you've done <laughs> eight and ten hours in, in England now, it's it's no big deal to head to Killarney or what is it? And it must give you great pride. Say somewhere like the Northwest or the TT or you know Killarney or Donegal or whatever, to see your truck parked in the middle of that, you know, that you know, that I know the the TT and the Northwest is big, you know, those were the fence growing up, even if you knew nothing about uh, motorbikes or rallying. No, there was certain key events, and you're now in the middle of all that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? It's it's a funny. It's, it's I suppose not to get too philosophical, but it's funny where the road can take you. Like it's funny, you know, if you had said to us, you used to be supplying bikes. We had said, try what we like. We're we're a rally company, and then if you had said, right, you'll be, you know, you'll be in all the circuits in the UK, or you'll be supplying fuel till. You know the circuits in Portugal or France would have said no. Sure, how how would that happen? So, it's it's nearly like coming home now to the tarmac. You know, which mm-hmm. you know we. I mean, if if somebody had said five years ago, you know, you'll be supplying fuel to a championship, or well, we certainly wouldn't have said you know the Northwest or the BSB would have said oh, if it had been you know an, an Irish rally. Uh, uh, you wouldn't have blinked an eye. Uh, championship, uh, like you know, it yeah. wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been across any waters, anyway. Um, but it's, uh, I suppose, it's prepared as well. It's given us the experience. So, yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. And the, the tires as well. You, you know, we wanted to touch on the fact that you know the Cooper tires. Uh, you know, there was sort of like a stories going about that. Uh, you know, supply was going to halt and all that. 
foreseeable future anyway as far as you know everything's business as usual um good year bought cooper over cooper own avon um and they have decided to close the uk manufacturing at the end of 2023 um it looks like or it's likely that it'll move to France. It's not confirmed yet, but we'll, we'll you know, for for the time being, we've never had as many tires in stock, and the fact that they have never had as many tires in stock because they built a lot of stock over the winter. Like so, mm-hmm. aye, it's it's the tire world is, you know, a lot of changes can happen happen quickly. Like, but you know, they've 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 given us our plan, and so far they've been sticking to that plan. So there's no reason to we've no reason to vary from it. That's for sure. So, Mick, it's been an absolute pleasure um, chatting fuel and tyres. Uh, I would like to thank we maybe get you on again, maybe sometime during the season, you know, with that whole tricky world the suspension and one thing or another too. I know you deal with uh, that. Aye, for sure. We have a lot of other products, gearboxes, suspensions, yeah, exactly. brakes, you know, Alcon's a, a <laughs> big, uh, it's a big product for us and it's, it's, uh, it's uh, quite underrated in Ireland, you know, if you think of the last 24 world championships i think i'll kind of won 19 of them like so it's uh, that's but anyway that's for another day that's something else we can explore so thank you very much for taking the time mick it's been a pleasure no bother thank you for having me fascinating there um yeah i think that's going to be a game changer for the sport you know the the centralized fuel and like as mick was saying it's open to everybody it's mandatory for the internationals but it's open for everybody and and then also the you know the the story and the tires and all too I like I love all that kind of the wee side stories as always you know yourself. Um, so goal is only a few weeks away. It's hard to believe, uh, but anyway, we'll be here hopefully for the season, giving you the story behind the story. Um, that you know, there's a huge back catalogue now of you know previous episodes. And where do we start? You know, we've we've covered everything everything at this stage. You know, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, even this year so far, there's been four specials. Uh, we've done a tribute to Ken Block. We spoke to Paul Nagel. You know, we, we broke the news about Eamon Kelly uh, going JWRC. Uh, Walt Crichton uh, going to Monte. You know, like that seems a lifetime ago. And it was only three or four weeks ago. <laughs> uh, so please like, share, uh, rate the podcast. All those things I know you are doing. Keep doing them. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, until the next time. Take care, speak soon, and bye.